0: Thank you. RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. we're kicking off now so welcome to those of us those of you who are joining us for the podcast once again it's our uh, closing the distance podcast where we interview the, the preaching pastor to see if they've got any insights on on the message they gave the day before but if you're if you're viewing this and not just listening to this you'll notice that jeff has an interesting background and on that background is a desk full of peanut butter. If you're just listening to the podcast, then you need you'll see it on social media or go look at some of our social media. It's gonna be all over. But there's a there's a peanut butter tower on Jeff's desk. They're, they really <laughs> got me. The there's Lindsay's all focus.
1: sorts of I mean, <laughs> they must have sold out here in North Fulton because are <laughs> going some, some people got really uh, cheeky and like attached like spoons yeah, for it. Excellent. Yeah, it was uh I got to say, it was
0: one of the best practical jokes that's ever been played on me. And um, so yeah, when you read about the uh, peanut butter shortage in, you know, kind of the Atlanta region, we'll know why it's all on your desk. Yeah, it's all on my desk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked for baby formula. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> That would have been good. But yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so uh, I'm I'm. Um, Reverend Dan Christ, I'm um, one of the associate pastors here at RPC, and we're interviewing uh, Jeff Myers, who preached yesterday a fabulous sermon. And so again, we we gather together kind of on Mondays to to discuss the sermon and and give opportunity for people to ask questions and gain some more insight into the thinking. What is the background now? We just have an empty chair. Jeff's gone. He's on no, here. I'm listening. Comatose from all the peanut butter that he ate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so uh the sermon series again has been the summer of love and there's been all sorts of love but yesterday uh the sermon title was there's always a leaf at God's table so we had a little play on words there you know a leaf most of us who of a certain age knew exactly what you're talking about when you said get the leaf but I I can see how it might have been confusing for some like you know but I, we always had a leaf, you know, that, you know, they hid it in the closet or something. Some, I, I had a table where it kind of came from within. You kind of pulled it out and you just had this little thing folded out. And that's what you did when you had had guests. So, yeah, I, I may have played up my ignorance about the leaf a little more than,
1: than historians, you know, might have, uh, might have worried.
0: But, you know, the point... <laughs> the point still stands. <laughs> yes. We we kind of figured that, you know. We understood that. So, but the the share with us again kind of the point of that sermon title and and what kind of the main emphasis was when you're talking about there's always a leaf at God's table or or get the leaf as as you said yesterday.
1: Yeah, so I mean, my if I had a, like a thesis statement, I would say that you know, the passage was Acts 10 um when Peter has this great vision and he, you know, God tells him to, to eat and there's unclean animals or what Jews would consider unclean animals. And God says, don't um, don't call something unclean or profane that I've called clean. And so um, and then all of a sudden these messengers arrive at his, uh, the place he's staying there from Cornelius. And it becomes this movement where Gentiles or non-Jews are grafted in, to use Paul's language, grafted into the community of faith. Um, and so, it's it's so it's my contention that the the church needs to be a place where we are inclusive. We're bringing people to the table, and I and I I know I think you were at the ten forty five modern service where we s- celebrate communion every Sunday, and I was really hoping it would be communion Sunday, and it happened not to be. And because I think communion is one of those places where we embody actually coming around the table, um, and and eating. Um, and that's like this concrete um, practice that we do liturgically of embodying, having a leaf at the table, making room for more folks, gathering in and welcoming and being hospitable. Um, so that was a long thesis statement, but that's, that's the point of, point of the sermon <laughs> after I just re-preached the sermon. <laughs> right.
0: But you highlighted something yesterday for me, that I think is pretty critical for the church, not just RPC, but the church capital C in general to understand. You highlighted when you, you talked, told the story about, you know, being at your in-laws and these un, unannounced guests came, you know, and was there going to be room when your mother-in-law, you know, puts a new leaf at the table, but having them, inviting them to the table opens that table up to, to some things that maybe they're not ready for so again conversations about things or a bit of awkwardness or you know the people that were invited that were around this table you know likely had been for years and kind of knew this is the routine this is how we do things on thanksgiving but now you've got people coming from outside don't know all those traditions don't know the expectations maybe they didn't dress appropriately maybe they don't even like football and can't don't want to talk about that maybe they're from other kind of differences and you've invited them to the table and it's going to change the whole dynamic at the table. That mm-hmm. doesn't work very well in church. It should, but it doesn't.
1: Yeah, I mean and I I, I think I think there's you have that like centrifugal force and cent centrifugal force, you know. Right. Um and I think the church we've got we've got to constantly be reminding ourselves that we're trying to be more inclusive, we're trying to be outwardly focused, um, we're trying to 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 grow and uh, to um, to spread Christ's love, but there's that constant kind of gravitational pull to be isolationist, mm-hmm. um, to be self focused, to be internally um, obsessed, a narcissistic even. Um, yeah. And, and so I think it's just, that's a constant battle of the way um, human groups struggle. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, and that's one of the things I'm just always battling against in myself, you know, like when I, you know, when I sit down to think about the church or a sermon or um, I sometimes will get obsessed with what I'm thinking and what I care about. I'm like, oh, Carl Bart you know dogmatics two two people would love page 563 man we have a we could read a whole paragraph you know and people could really get the dialectical argument you know and how he's drawing from a hegel and kierkegaard people would love and then all of a sudden I'm like no one wants to hear that jeff summarize it and like you know make a point but you know what do people care about like right. engage them and so i think we all wrestle with um That those those competing forces in our lives, and I think it can be really compounded when when we uh, get groups of human beings together,
0: even in the church. Do you agree? Absolutely. So here's a little bit of a a slight flex. I heard Thursday. I received word from University Press that my my revamped dissertation is going to be published. What's the title so, of it? Yeah, What's it? The title? It's gonna be Emerging Generations and the Multi-Inclusive Church. So it talks about inclusiveness. And this verse I shared after you left, I shared with the children. I did the children's moment. But this is actually one of my favorite verses, you know, sections in scripture. Oh, wow. because it demonstrates so clearly the inclusiveness of God and how the early church grappled with that, wrestled with like what is what does that mean? What is happening here? And again, they're just coming to terms with hey. Jesus just rose, and, you know, he, he was just ascended, and this is early, this is chapter 10 in Acts, so, you know, we're talking, you know, months, and they're like, wait, what, who's included? We thought it was just for us, because for, you know, their, their entire history, the Jewish people knew that they were the chosen people. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> what does that mean, that we're not as chosen as we thought we were? right we're we're chosen chosen but so is everybody else like this work of christ includes everyone and it transformed the church it transformed their practices and kind of the things that they live by and and the rules you know we you talked yesterday mentioned briefly about well if they're gentiles do they have to be circumcised and what does that look like or you know are they allowed to eat certain foods you know these are the jewish laws and but church grappled with that and and became more and more inclusive and said that those things are not necessary for salvation they're they're not that's not the issue this is the right. issue and kind of made the issue about the resurrected christ and and the inclusiveness of all that and that, that's powerful and it's it so powerful. difficult
1: yeah and i i was reminded and i might do engage this maybe next week i, I don't know yet but you know later on <laughs> Uh, Peter's hanging out with all Jews, and he begins to isolate from the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And remember, the Apostle Paul this is one of the great early church like uh, arguments. The Apostle Paul comes and chastises Peter and reminds him, "Beef, you got to be faithful to the new the new community that God has built right. in the church." And I love Paul. Paul doesn't pull his punches either. I mean, he was a missionary to the Gentiles. Um, and I think that's just a powerful, that even in the early church, even the this guy who had this great vision, not too long after that, is starting to retreat back to the old ways. Try um, resisting, you know, including the Gentiles. And yeah. Paul's got to come in with a hammer yeah. and and break it up, you know? And I think that's, I, that, and that's what we all need. I Hopefully, you know, and here at RPC, we're a community that is, you're constantly reminding and being inclusive and welcoming people in and I'm look, really looking forward to reading your book so that includes- how long is it so, actually I'm really looking forward to reading it if it's short
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's not gonna be that short it's right now it's about 70,000 words so okay so you know I'm getting old so is it big font <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you some glasses. If you eat the peanut butter right out of the jar, it strengthens your vision. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the book. When when's the published date? Yeah, so they said summer of 23. And so one in my research for all this, you know, we like to be inclusive. And you know, we've heard a lot of talk about, you know, racism and the church and all that kind of stuff. And and there, I mean, maybe there are some, but you know, very few people would say, Oh, I'm I'm a racist you know I'm happy for people of different ethnicities and and backgrounds and accept to be part of my tradition but here's the research that you know as long as they don't change my tradition that's the difference inclusiveness doesn't mean well yeah everybody's included but you have to do things my way that's not inclusive Mm -hmm. that's called assimilation and so that's very different and you know so whether that means well, we, we have to worship in a certain building or in a certain room or a certain way or all those kind of things. After you left, I shared with the kids, I said, you know, here's a picture I've you know, I've been worshiped with the Maasai in Kenya. And I yep. said, you know, I wore some of the Maasai stuff that they had given me. And I said, what if someone came to church that looked like this? And I said, oh, that'd be really cool. I said, yeah, but what if we worship the way or included some of the way that they worship in with the way that, that we worship. And I so said, that that gets a lot more difficult. It's a lot more awkward to be able to, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. Like we have an idea, Western theology, particularly in the West, but in other places has predominated. And, you know, the the style of worship and the liturgies that we use and all that kind of stuff, we like, we assume that's Christianity, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's not, it's our interpretation. it's all what we're comfortable with in in expressing our our love of god and the way that we worship but you you travel to other parts of the world and it's completely different right in terms of liturgy and i mean and it's not any less faithful Uh uh-huh that's the discomfort and so people are like yeah bring them on but this is how we do things you Mm -hmm. know so we you know whether that be organ music and and western you know western choirs and robes and all that kind of stuff or in historic sanctuaries or we're not going to meet under an acacia tree or we're not going to use a guitar or we're not going to whatever yeah and yet god is in all those cultures and and their worship is expressed that way and so that's that's a challenge i remember um
1: there's this guy uh i used to work with uh who's a theologian in residence and um he's from kenya he was the stated clerk of the church of east africa for like seven or eight years and um, which is like six I said six or seven million Presbyterians it's like significantly yeah, bigger than the PCSA. and um, and he told me a story that he was he's old enough to remember like inheriting so like his parents became Christians from Sc- Scottish missionaries mm-hmm. and so he said they were in the church and they uh, they all worshipped like as if they were in Scotland yeah. like like everybody's straight you know no clapping no moving serious um, almost severe and he said he was part of the generation and then his kids were where they brought back a lot of their traditions and customs from their culture pre-scottish mission pre-christian and brought that in and it really transformed and then like you know kind of more of what we think about today like you were talking about with the side i just find that fascinating
0: yeah Yeah, it is. And there's another book by a guy named Richard Twist, who's a Native American. He's passed now. And again, saying the same thing that when missionaries came, went into, you know, the Native cultures in the United States, they kind of said, this is how things are. And they eliminated all the culture of the Native Americans. And there's a, a resurgence, there's a renaissance of, wait a minute, you know, all that they said was, was of the devil and all this stuff isn't necessarily it's part of our culture and we can worship God through our culture but it's going to be very different than the church down the road who is full of Caucasian people and their western ways and and again that's okay heaven is not going to be you know western in the worship I'm convinced it's going to be a a blend it's going to be a you know everything's going to be there. Mm -hmm. so I don't know it's I know it's it's tricky and we you, you want to have you want people to be able to express their worship and and the relationship with God in a way that that's meaningful to them, but at the same time not excluding people you know, who may might enter the doors, and it, it's it's tough. So yeah. and so when you say again, you mentioned it, it's when there's always a leaf at God's table. Yes, what that might mean for those of us who are currently at the table, who were invited at the table, might have to do some adjusting in order to accommodate them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah i'm not sure um, we're, we're very willing to do that most of the time myself included yeah yeah it's yeah pe- pe- i think people
1: are often re- we're just hardwired to resist change
0: <laughs> right and again for for faith something like that it's it's very deep seated right mm-hmm. and we we you know we there are certain things that we believe in our tradition that are sacrosanct that we think represent christendom or christianity that maybe don't right that makes sense so yeah, yeah. yeah so but i, I know that our, you know say rpc for instance if we knew that we were going to have a group of you know japanese tourists come and they were going to visit our church and we we brainstormed you know the worship community might together how can we accommodate you know, what would we do in our worship service to make them feel welcome and comfortable and know what was going on and how we could we change things up in order to, to to suit their needs because we want them to, you know, we wanna be hospitable. There'll be no question about that. But to do that on a regular basis then would probably be much more difficult. You know, we'll do it for this Sunday because we've got these special guests. But after that, you know, we're going back to our way, to, to normal. Right. It's, yeah.
1: Interesting, yeah. I, um, yeah, I, you know, what did John Calvin say? The church is where, you know, the word is proclaimed, the sacraments rightly administered and, uh, church discipline is practiced and, you know, people, people argue, is that sufficient? Is, do you really need church discipline? What counts as church discipline? Um, but it's, it's a fascinating deal. One of the things I love about our tradition So we have this saying called that we're reformed, but always reforming according to the word of God. And and there's this idea that hopefully inherent to our tradition, that it's always adapting. We're always listening. God, how are you calling us forward to be faithful into the future? And that means we're going to have to change and adapt and innovate and reform, uh, because that's inherently um, what God calls us to do to hear the word afresh again and again for each a new moment new context uh, etc yeah what are some good what do you think are some good practices since you spent a lot of time thinking about this what are some good practices that people either as individuals or as churches can can do to help them adapt to be open to change to be open to new cultures to be hospitable and welcoming
0: yeah. I, I mean, I think as individuals or as, as smaller family groups, I think when traveling, like mm-hmm. do your best to connect to to other faith communities that are different from your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Some of the
0: most powerful worship experiences I've ever had have been in places where I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the language. The liturgy was completely different and and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I knew, okay, these people are, gathered for worship and i and i'm free to worship in the way that 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 i do and i knew that way we're this is what unifies us it's the worship that unifies us you know the audience is not me the audience is god and recognizing that remembering it's not about me it's not about my comfort right About we're all focused on the audience of one yep which is god and sometimes we i think we lose that you know and again yesterday was was fantastic. We heard Lauren's solo and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, I'm blown away by that and that that her gifts and talents. But again, that that wasn't for my ears. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't for my ears. Mm -hmm. It was her worship of God. And I'm able to participate in that and partake in that. But ultimately, you know, that was her, her message to god like you know this is what how you've transformed me and i think we lose sight of that sometimes and so again immersing yourselves in contexts where it is different and you are a little bit out of your comfort zone is not necessarily a bad thing i think it's really powerful i mentioned to the kids yesterday in the kids message that they we need to be Lean into their understandings, you know, that this generation, so those 20 and younger are going to be the most diverse generation on the planet ever, Hmm. particularly in the United States. So in 10 years, there's not, there's going to be no majority in the United States and most of the Western world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the Caucasian race, if you like will no longer be a majority it's and so they're they're experiencing diversity and they're much more comfortable with it than the rest of us are in all all aspects you know in terms of their sport and their education and their work environment the same will be true for worship and so listening to them learning from them the same way that you know my generation and and my own kids taught me how to use you know the computer or are very savvy with you know technology and social media and that kind of stuff this next generation is we're going to need them to teach us how do we be more inclusive you know you guys live it you do it all the time that's your generation we we didn't understand it we are much more isolated so listening to them and 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 leaning into them will be really helpful for us kind of going forward as you know we kind of age out and and their their generation takes over absolutely
1: oh interesting yeah It'll be interesting to think to see like social upheaval and, you know, just with the demographic shifts, how that will impact. And I think it'll give a great opportunity for the church to step forward and hopefully be a leader, you know, and in how to talk through difficult issues that, you know, people have differing perspectives on, but how do we find agreement, shared values? Um,
0: So I'm I'm fascinated by that that process and that question. I mean, the, the certainly the Western theology and kind of the Western way of doing things is, is incredibly powerful. And you go to like you said, I mean, your your friend from Kenya, you know, that's they, they were raised in Scottish Presbyterianism, even though we're in Kenya. I was there a couple of years ago and uh, we went to a worship service and they had a keyboard. They were trying to do Western music uh-huh. in a keyboard. It was awful. Uh-huh. because basically they just, they had this instrument that they had no idea how to use and they just played the instrument, but it was not, it wasn't in sync with the music that they were trying to do. It wasn't in the same key. It was uh-huh. just, they just felt like, oh, this is how Western worship, you know, modern worship, you know, Hillsong or whatever does it. So we're just going to play this thing. <laughs> it was like, stop. But uh-huh. when they when they reverted to their traditional songs, it was fantastic. Oh, wow, st- stop worshiping in a way that's not your culture, right? Like, worship in a way that that expresses what God has given you and your uh-huh. understanding. And but, yeah, to, so if you ever get the experience when you, when you go to Kenya, say, Oh, I want to see one of those churches where they try to be Western and it's not. Uh, I mean, but, well, I would we, when I was in Kenya, uh,
1: we went to worship and I had this <laughs> distinct memory of the pastor getting up and he was doing the he was doing the words of institution for the Eucharist and he had a cell phone with him and he was texting somebody while he was doing the words of institution. I was like, now that's very American.
0: <laughs> I wonder what he was texting. Like, oh, I have no idea. A- I should we have. Asked juice. Send the juice. We forgot to bring it. <laughs> it was cracking me up. <laughs> yeah, that's something else. Yeah. So, how, how do you think? you know, we at RPC can be more genuine in opening a leaf at God's table, you know, I mean, we, we're we surrounded by, you know, diversity, and there's, you know, there's churches just across the road that are, you know, African-American churches, and there's, you know, there's, I know that's part of my role, but at the same time, you know, and uh, inviting them and saying, hey, come worship with us, it, it'd be be a stretch for them, you know, yeah, come and be included. So, how do we do that better?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I think there's a number of ways. I think, you know, we've partnered in various um, m- mission activities. You know, our youth doing con- during confirmation go and worship at different uh, Christian uh, traditions, you know, Greek Orthodox Church, historically African American Church. Um, and then I think, I think being a place that hospitality is part of what our values, you know, is inherent to who we are. And that's as simple as smiling at somebody and introducing that you haven't met before and saying, welcome, it's great to see you today. You know, my name is Jeff, what's your name? And just like something simple, just that simple act, but that simple act is often a a lot for a lot of people, especially if you're not an extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's scary, but I think being the kind of people that encourage that kind of hospitality and welcome, um, so that when people who maybe do feel different, feel like, I'm welcome, I'm valued here, I, I this is a home for me. Um, they don't feel othered. Um, yeah. um, so I think it can be, I think it can be official, like ministry wise, like th- I've got some ideas that we're going to try to do in the next year or two about serving along I mean COVID got in the way of a lot of this but um try to serve come and serve alongside uh in some mission activities where we have some joint kind of interests and gifts so that it's like you're not talking about your differences but it just you're engaging with somebody as a human being um it was it was funny I was a couple years ago I was speaking at a the um oh it was it was a diversity event just talking about the value of a lot of our you know our, our african american um neighbors here in roswell and north metro atlanta and i was and there was an elder from uh one of the a black church in the area and <laughs> he asked me how many uh you know do you have many black folks that go to your church and i was like no nah, i mean we'd love to have love to have them, but we just don't i said do you do you have many white people at your church and he goes you know we'd love to have them but no not really <laughs> it was kind of fun we were cracking up we we're like uh, i was like well what if i traded some of mine for yours and you know we could uh, we could do it like that but uh
0: <laughs> there have been actually some initiatives in the, the city i came from they, they did actually that they ended up intentionally having small groups together oh cool we mixed small groups up just again just to start conversation and dialogue and develop friendships you know the, the, the problem is we just don't our, our our social lives are often very different it's not that we don't accept one another we just don't connect yeah. and so they're intentional about connecting and that was really powerful that's really cool that's yeah. really cool yeah what if we we've we been doing popsicles and portals also Summer long, and that's been really good. Summer of love, but what if we did like tamales on the porch in the fall or something like that? I would be I'm into that.
1: that. I'm into that.
0: <laughs> well, we need to tell Betsy get on to the tamales on the porch. Tamales on the-
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's do it.
0: Oh man. That's well, great. yeah, good. I, I appreciate it again your your message yesterday and the insights, and I, obviously it's something that's very uh, passionate and one of my passions and something I'm. I'm excited about and I'm excited that that this is a church community. RPC is a church community that is open to to that dialogue and and that we're we're on a journey. And the church 10 years from now, RPC is gonna look very different than it does now. And you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's part of the growth and our understanding of of how God desires the church to be. And so I'm thankful that you're you're leading us and and comfortable that we're we're moving in that direction. So.
1: Well, once your book is published, we'll have all the the right steps, all the right answers to uh, move forward.
0: In the yeah, future. we'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I look forward to reading it, Dan. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks for hanging out, man.
0: No worries. Anything else going on this week? We need to be aware of what's coming up. I know we got our big kickoff on the 14th. That's a big deal. The 14th is coming up. You know, we've got
1: basketball camp this week. Is you know, we've got music camp that's going on right now. So we got kids that Are you know, it's a stampede around here. It's so yeah. fun to uh, see how excited they are. Um, Golf tournament coming up a month from now. Yep. So we need sponsors. We need players. So yeah. Email Dan, dan at RoswellPress
0: Yep. Yeah, you can email me, and I'll I'll let you know. And so what's uh what's on the agenda for this Sunday? We're wrapping up the sermon series in another week or so, right?
1: Yeah. So we're going to talk. Um. Uh. The the it comes from the uh Gospel of Matthew. The text does. It's about forgiveness and it's um the sermon title is the wisdom of don henley so uh actually if that, if that doesn't bring him in i don't know what will
0: All Right, that, that's that's pretty good so you're gonna sing some of his songs or, or play some of his music i don't know we'll see the boys of summer are, are coming back that's part of the summer of love yeah exactly <laughs> we'll see i can't give away too much of my stuff No, i guess not I got to figure out All what right. Is. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Jeff, again. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate See you it. All right. Hola.